Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, open eyes today, illuminate hearts. We give you all the honor for what you accomplished through the teaching of your Word. And I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. And we all say amen. Open your Bibles to Zechariah Four And today it's going to take us a little time to establish a context. Now, I always do that at the outset, but today might require a little more uh, extra work. And also, I want to remind you again that at the end of service, I'm going to give a quick update uh, because we need to pivot uh, on, on a couple issues. Again, Zechariah chapter 4 and uh, verse 1. Now, the angel of the Lord who talked with me came back. Now, this was part 2. Uh, of a vision that Zechariah had just received in the previous chapter. And uh, this is important to understand uh, about God. God never tells us uh, or shows us the whole thing in just one setting. Why? First, because we're humans and we couldn't handle it. But, but second, uh, with God, it takes a long time to truly become old friends. The angel who talked with me came back and wakened me. Now, if you know anything about God, uh, you could certainly read it in the scripture, but if you had any interaction with God, if you walk with God for any period of time, you know that God is methodical, he's extremely uh, patient, he's intentional, and he does everything, almost everything, in stages. Think about it. Uh, God could have formed the the entire uh, earth, everything in it, and, and just a snap of the finger, but he chose to do it in six days. Why? Because that reveals something of his character and his nature. Even plants, they do not just spontaneously uh, generate. Uh, Seeds have to fall into the ground, and then there's seed, soil, water, and sunshine. There's a process of time before we receive the benefits of a full-grown plant. Uh, Everything in nature pretty much tells us that God is extremely process-oriented. So, you know, even babies, they need a little bit of uh, John Legend, a little bit of uh, skin friction, and and, uh, then nine months. Everything important in life requires uh, a little bit of process because, you know, important things express themselves in stages and grow over time. So we have to learn to enjoy the journey. The angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of sleep. Now, don't be afraid of this part of the Bible. Uh, God is speaking through visions, and uh, we have to learn uh, how, how to understand these things as clearly as we learn the didactical or the, the more straightforward teaching. Uh, also, the same way we have to learn parables. This is all part of the way God communicates uh, to us. So Zechariah uh, went to sleep after the, the first vision, and, and this is important. As exciting as that vision was and, and all that he saw, he understood, and this is important for both me and you that rest is as important as work. Sometimes I have forgotten that and I have struggled and suffered because of it. So learn to to rest instead of letting yourself get so tired you want to quit. And I know I've had many moments that I let myself get so tired I wanted to quit. It wasn't really that I wanted to quit. It's just that I got so tired. And we have to learn to rest. And the prophet uh, did this. And he said to me, what do you see? Now, a vision is not as deep and uh, profound as you may 
think. Uh, all it is is God communicating to us in picture form. You know, sometimes God says it. Other times, God chooses to draw a picture. In the Psalms, God sings it. Um, when, when you're dealing with parables, God writes word stories and, and word pictures. God, you know, he's an amazing teacher, and he engages every learning style possible to reach his children. So Zechariah said, I am looking, speaking to the angel, and saying, basically, okay, God, I, I see what you're saying. And what I see is a lampstand. Now, this symbol is very, very easy because they didn't have electricity back then. And uh, a lampstand's sole purpose uh, was to create light in darkness. It was to dispel the dark and release light. So a lampstand is an age-old symbol for uh, knowledge and truth. Light brings knowledge and truth. Because of light, you could see in a dark period of time, you have uh uh, great insights uh, because of, again, the sunlight uh, to what's in front of you, what's behind you, and what's around you. So knowledge is likened to light, and this lampstand is producing light. A lampstand of solid gold. Now, throughout Scripture, gold is typically linked with God. Why? Because God seemed to like gold. Uh, when you go into the uh, holy place, uh, it's, it's, it's full of gold. The lampstand's gold. The, the, the uh, table of shoe bread is, is, is gold. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant is, is gold. And uh, we, we find that in the temple as well as in the uh, tabernacle. But why gold? Uh, because gold lasts. Uh, also, gold is beautiful. Uh, gold also doesn't corrode. Uh, it's scarce, but it's also weighty. And God is the ultimate heavyweight. Uh, God also represents uh, value to the worshiper because we must place value on everything divine. We must place value on God himself, and he wants us to worship him with gold. So he doesn't just want us to worship him with our mouths, but he also wants us to worship him with our resources. So we, we have this golden lampstand with a bowl on top. Now, what this bowl is going to do in a couple moments is going to collect the oil that drips from the branches from the two trees that are next uh, to this, this lampstand. And typically in the Bible, um, the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit, actually anointing means oil. It speaks of a special oil that was used. But the anointing of God actually, or the term anointing, or better, the oil of the anointing uh, connects or represents better the Holy Spirit. So here we have this bowl that's going to collect oil. So we recognize the Holy Spirit is going to be involved. We understand that light is, is going to be released and, and uh, darkness is going to be uh, dispelled. We also recognize that it's, it's gold uh, because it's all God's working. And on the stand, seven lampstands with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Now, um, the, the imagery is a little complicated here, but what we can see right off the bat is that there's going to be an overabundance of oil, uh, but also an overabundance of light. So there's going to be a tremendous supply uh, for this light, uh, uh, you know, is, is going to be able to stay lit uh, for a very long time. Actually, in a couple of moments, we're going to discover uh, it's going to be able to stay lit eternally. But today, the prophet probably would refer to a uh, floodlight 
to represent the type of light that was coming out of this lamp. So this was an ancient lamp on steroids. This was a lamp, man, that, that lit up everything around you and then had this, this amazing supply of oil that was provided by, by, by God himself. And by the way, you know, as we talk about this campus in a couple of moments at the end of our message today, um, you know, we're not just building a building. We're building a lighthouse uh, to help people get to safety. And it's important what we're doing. And then he says, verse three, two olive trees are by the lampstand. So on both sides of the lampstand, there are what? Olive trees. What do you get out of olive oil? Olives, forgive me, oil. And the anointing oil is is made up largely of of olives. And I cooked this morning actually with olive oil oil. So, uh, you know, you squeeze the, the, the press, the olive and the oil comes out. And my guess is, this is just a guess. So there was these two olive trees on both sides of the, uh, lampstand, lampstand. And, uh, my guess is they just dripped from the olives that were on the tree. Uh, but this is the point it gets just a little bit difficult because most people believe, most scholars believe, and, and most people that really study the Bible believe that the two trees represent uh, two people, the high priest Joshua that was discussed in the previous chapter and the governor Zerubbabel that's going to be discussed in this chapter. Why? Because verse 14, a little bit further down, says this, these trees or these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. So in these verses, and the reason why we kind of conclude that it's Zechariah and Zerubbabel is because in these uh, two chapters, only these two people are mentioned again uh, by name. But we can also learn some lessons from what God chooses to anoint because he anointed uh, Zerubbabel and he anointed Joshua. Um, uh, these guys, uh, the, the oil better represented what God was doing in, in their lives. I hope I'm not losing you. Stay with me. Uh, this type of language takes a little bit of work to extract the, the, the truth uh, from it. But Joshua was the high priest at that time. And again, you see this in chapter three. Zerubbabel is going to be mentioned in a moment. He was the governor. and Actually, he was a descendant of David. So here we have the king and the priest. And it's really, really important. The priest was responsible to teach the people. The priest was responsible uh, for sacred things, if you will. And the uh, governor, uh, Zerubbabel, uh, he was res- responsible for temporal matters or, or, or secular things. And, and today we shouldn't really put such a line between the two. But just for the, the sake of conversation here, uh, we see the sacred and the secular are both anointed by God, meaning you don't have to be in full-time ministry standing behind a pulpit to be anointed by God. That's really important to understand. Uh, God can anoint you uh, in, in, in what you, you do. You see, uh, the, the imagery here gives us a, 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 an understanding that God gives a very real anointing to both the priests to serve in the sacred space, but also the kings to serve in the secular you see, what, what God wants is for you to be as anointed in what you do in your life as in what I do from behind this pulpit. And we all share the anointing 
of God. And it's not just the bishops, the pastors, or the deacons that are anointed. God anoints all of his children for the various functions he calls us to. So we have, you know, you could say the church or the, the business community. You could say the, the church and or, or the political community here. So we have the priest and we have Zerubbabel, both anointed. We need people anointed to be on the school board. We need uh, people that have a grace to, uh, you know, run for governor. We need people that, that have a grace to, to start mega businesses and, and you know, uh, begin to, to, to use resources to influence the earth for Christ. Well, he said here, these are the two anointed ones to stand beside said, said, uh, the uh, Lord of the whole earth, one at the right of the bowl, and the other is at the uh, left. Forgive me, I went back to verse three. So it would take, this is important, both king and priest to accomplish the task. You see, I could preach as accurately and with all the anointing that God gives me, but if I don't have some anointed kings, this is important, supporting the message that God has given me, using their resources and their influence, I am in trouble. You see, Martin Luther, I know we've all heard of, of Martin Luther, the great reformer, but Martin Luther had Frederick III. Athanasius, uh, you know, the, the Nicene Creed and, and all that, uh, he had uh, Constantine. Frederick Douglass had uh, uh, David Ruggles, but, but God, only thing he gave me is you, and I'm thankful for what God has given me, but we need kings and priests in order to move the ball down the field and for God to accomplish his purposes on earth. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me. This is Zechariah speaking saying, what are these, my Lord? Now, Zechariah didn't try to pretend he was smarter uh, than he was. Uh, it, it, you know, some things he certainly probably could have figured out over time. But even when I think I know, I, I've learned to, to still ask. I still want to hear it, it said. I want to hear it from God's mouth. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these all right, now this was not a duh type question. It was more, hey, uh, I want to call attention to the fact I'm about to answer your question. And I said, no, my Lord, because the trees probably stumped him because he didn't get the verse 14 yet. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Um, this is important. God speaks in many ways. First, he paints a picture, but now he gives a clear word. So he's saying, Zechariah, you are a prophet, but as a prophet, I'm giving you a word for the king or for the, the governor. And here is the message that the king needs to hear. This is the message the business people need to hear. This is the message the politicians need to hear. This is the mission, the, the message that uh, the school teachers, the people uh, in the workplace need to hear. This is important. Here, here's what he says. Not by might. The language here communicates a sense we don't really see in, in English, but what he's saying is that the temple would not be built through the people's collective strength alone. Um, uh, the armies that couldn't defeat the Babylonians, you know, in the past would not be able to defeat them now. It will not be by your your, your might. Now, it will be by your obedience, but not by your own power and strength and might, nor by what? Power. Now, this word... 
uh, focuses more on the strength of, of one. And putting both terms together, what God is communicating uh, to Zerubbabel is your success will, will not come by the many or, or, or by the few. It won't come by the, the strength or the ingenuity of, of, of all y'all getting together or, or just one of you uh, becoming uh, outstanding. This is how it's going to be done. Now, this is important. Before I, I'm going to get ahead of myself, God still used people, but ultimately the, the strength and the power came from God. And God uses people for the work he does, but we have to look behind the scenes to understand where the strength comes from. There was light in the lampstand, but there was these trees that were providing oil. So that that lamp did not exist by itself and on its own. The, the lamp was divine. It represented the divine purposes of God. But they required two trees on the other side, on either side of them, in order for the light to continually burn. God needs you. God needs me. God could do it himself, but he chooses not to do it himself. God did not look at man in our condition and say, well, you know what? From heaven, I'm going to straighten out the situation. No, God became a man, walks amongst us and uh, live, uh, bled, and, and, and died on the cross and rose again uh, because God, uh, you know, he became part of the problem. He needed a man. He needed a person. Uh, he did, that's just part of his ways. He wanted a, a human being uh, to be uh, the answer to the issues. And, and here's the deal. Uh, God still uses people, and often people are the answer God uses in our lives. This is why we need to continue to love on people. We need to continue to remember remain sociable and kind and all the rest, because often the answer is not going to drop from heaven. It has to drop through another person. Stay with me. He said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Sometimes God chooses to do things in unconventional ways so he can get the credit. That's an important statement. This is not because he's a credit hog. He's some like egotistical, uh, maniacal uh, maniac but because people need to know what God can do. And, uh, you know, God for many people is in a book. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks don't read books. And, and uh, you know, the stories in, in that book called the Bible, they're, they're from years ago. But when God does it in your life, they don't even have to like the Bible. They see it in you. And actually you kind of point uh, to the book. But, but here we, we, we see that, uh, you know, uh, God does things through us, impossible things, difficult things. Sometimes he sets it up so, you know, we just can't do it on our own. Again, not to harm us so that in the end we can point to the creator of the ends of the earth, recognizing, you know, who is like our God. And uh, others can say, well, I know you and you can't do that. So it must be God uh, in your life. So not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh, Jehovah, Sabaoth, was actually a military term. Um, and uh, it really spoke of uh, uh, being God being the Lord of, of, of armies. And, uh, you know, God may take times to do things, but he's still the commander of all things in the, the universe. We worship a God that, that's confident enough to uh, allow us to make our own choices, but wise enough to remain large and in charge in the midst of them. And, and this is what God is telling Zerubbabel, to say to his mountain. This is the attitude he wanted Zerubbabel 
to have about his mountain. This is the attitude God wants you and I to have about our mountains. He says, who are you, O great mountain? And by the way, this, this whole prophecy was about a building project. They started the project, but dangerous enemies uh, began to emerge and, and all types of things broke loose. Actually, they quit and, and they, they, they got discouraged and they stopped. But, but watch what God says. Who are you, O great mountain? He didn't say the mountain wasn't great. He didn't say they didn't have a problem. He didn't deny the problem. He just said, who are you? And basically, who are you compared to the God that I serve? But here's what I need you to know. When the anointing of God really, really comes on you, God won't permit you to look at things the way other people do. Now, David, he, he was uh, uh, facing a giant, but what did he say? You know, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistines that, that would dare try to defy the army of the living God? Elijah was outnumbered on Carmel by the uh, uh, prophets of, of Baal. And what did he say? He told them, now actually he starts talking a little trash here. He said, shout louder for Baal is a God. Perhaps he's in, in deep thought, literally actually he says, he, perhaps Baal is on the toilet. That, that's actually what, what he said. But, you know, the, the, the translators don't want to put it that way. But, but Elijah has a spirit of about him and an attitude uh, about him. Perhaps he's busy or traveling. And what, he, what, what God was trying to show us that, that we don't have to show the type of respect that, that uh, the devil tries to make us show him. Um, we, we need to have an attitude when it comes to the devil and opposition and the rest in, in our lives. And, you know, not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God, when he's really on you, there's a certain attitude that emerges. There's a confidence that you can't quite explain. And the Holy Spirit wants to be on you to do your job, to do your part, whatever your part is. The Holy Spirit is here with an unlimited amount of supply. He's an unlimited source of oil uh, in, to illuminate our heart and strengthen our arms to accomplish the purposes of God. He says, who are you, O great mountain? So stop telling everyone about the size of your mountain and start telling your mountain about the size of your God, who are you compared to my God, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Um, this is important. You shall, you shall. Now, you, you look all big and bad now, but this is the way it's going to end. You shall become a plane. You know, the Holy Spirit is sufficient. The Holy Spirit is more than enough for any and every situation. He will make things that are insurmountable to others become a stepping stone for you and I. So, so basically, uh, God said, 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 you know, to Zerubbabel, he's trying to infuse a little spirit into Zerubbabel. He's like, mama said, knock you out. Y'all remember that song? I'm going to knock you out. He's like, you need to get that attitude. And, and when you fight the good fight of faith, there needs to be a little attitude in you. And you need, you need to have an expectancy that you're going to get up on the other side. You're going to get through this. And this was the attitude that God was trying to infuse in his kings and also his priests. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become what? A plane. Now notice, he didn't say before Jesus. He didn't say before Moses. He didn't say before Apostle Peter or Apostle Paul. But he said before a captive ruler like Zerubbabel. Uh, Zerubbabel, it was, he, he was a captive. He, he, he was uh, under the authority of a foreign government. But as as, as as captive and perhaps as broken as he might have as, as felt, 
God was like, you need to get the attitude. Mama's going to knock you out. You hear what I'm saying? And we got to get the attitude that we're going to win. I recognize you're facing some things, but part of your problem is right here. You need to get that attitude. I'm going to get to the other side of this. I'm going to win this. And it might come and stay. You know what? You, know, you remember, remember the guy that was at, that was at the, the, the pool and, uh, you know, he's like, well, I have no man to, to, to carry me. You know, when the angel stirs the water, you know what? I, I can't get there in time. Someone gets ahead of me and they get healed. But you need to have the attitude. And that's why Jesus said to him, he said, well, do you want to get well? Because if you really want to get the water, you know what? Maybe I have to, to get on my elbows and, 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 and move to the edge, you know, an inch a day. But I'll tell you something. I'm going to move by inch a day until I get there. You got to get the attitude that, you know what, if no one else in here wins, Christ in me, the hope of glory, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going to win because God has called me to this. God is in me now. God is on my side. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.